Today on the Zabecast, NFL Week 2 looked like a snoozer until the witching hour got super witchy. And the afternoon games weren't too shabby either. We went to Lambeau Field for the Packers and Bears. Full report as the Pack once again owned Chicago. That plus App State's Hail Mary and a lesson in how not to be a color man. Your 30-minute dose of pure me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! Here we go! Monday, September 19, 2022. Thank you for downloading. Wow, what a day we had. Josh and I were at Lambeau Field less than two hours ago, and we ailed it out of there, and thank God for that. We would have been looking at, I don't know, getting back to Milwaukee about 2 a.m. once we fight through the crowd, if we stayed to the bitter end, and then waited in traffic and everything else. Oh, yeah, don't worry. Just get a couple hours sleep. You'll be good to go in the morning. Hell, does my voice sound good to go right now? The back half of this podcast I taped in the morning, my voice wasn't much better, but I apologize for the hitches and the scratches. I'm doing all I can. Anyway, we had a great time with the mobile Packer retro living room that is the venue for us to broadcast our little one-hour Packers Everywhere fan-based show prior to the official Packer pregame. This was our goal. We said, look, we want to be of the fans, by the fans, for the fans. And nothing against what the guys do on the pregame show, but it's all serious football stuff. You know, okay, well, what, what do they have to do to beat the Bears today? And how are the injury report looking? We wanted to be fans and us reveling, especially in the game day experience at Lambeau Field. So we cooked up this trailer that looks like a mobile living room from your parents' house in the 70s, replete with wood paneling and gaudy-looking couches, an old TV set that we have retrofitted to put a flat panel. There's a flat panel HD TV inside of it because this TV had been gutted. The screen was removed, and the person that sold it to us on Facebook Marketplace, they had been using the TV as a cat bed. (laughs) So they put a little cat couch inside the old TV, and I guess they didn't want it anymore, or, or the cat died. So we're like, we'll take it. And then we slap a, uh, a flat screen HD TV in there. And the beautiful thing was, Josh bought a cheap HD TV antenna and we caught wild, over the air, free high definition TV because Fox 5 up there, or Fox 11, I think it is, up in Green Bay. Hell, it's like a driver in a wedge from where we were. So we got great reception. People wouldn't stop gawking at this place as we sat on the uh, Resch Center, Bart Star Plaza. Everyone's like, oh my God, look at that. The smiles, the comments. People wanted to come up in the trailer. Can I just sit down on the couch and take a picture? And we had to kind of be the bad guys and say, we can't let anyone in here because then it'll just be people coming in all the time. And then somebody's going to trip. They're going to fall on their face. Then we're going to get sued. And then the fun is over. So it was a great, great day doing that. However... The uh, the trailer's back door ripped off its hinges because it got stuck. And we were trying to open it to let our guest, Gilbert Brown, in. <laughs> and, and we're like, oh, my God, what are we going to do now? There's a big 
The door is completely off. There is no easy way to put it back on. Thanks again to Brewer Contracting for coming all the way up from Milwaukee on a game day, no less. Two-hour drive each way just to fix the door. These guys are amazing. So then we get in the game, finally, Josh and I, and we've got tickets, pretty good tickets, uh, lower bowl, end zone corner. And the guy sitting next to Josh, we were seats five and six on the row. And seats one, two, three, four were occupied by Goomba number one and Goomba number two. And they're two little kids, two boys, probably eight and ten years old, in between the two of them. Well, <laughs> we sit down, and for anyone who's been in Lambeau, you got to understand, it's all bleacher seats. You know, this is old school football. They're not going to put regular seat seats in there, which is a problem because when Lambeau Field was first built, people were a lot skinnier. But it's not just the years and years of cheese curds and wings and all this other bad food that we in Wisconsinites have been eating excuse me, for too long. It's that even shoulder to shoulder, like you could be skinny in the waist or in the belly, shoulder to shoulder. The bleachers don't accommodate the modern person. Somehow shoulder widths were a lot narrower back in the day. So they just got numbers on the bleachers. Seat one, seat two. There's no lines. There's no lines that say keep your ass in between this line and this line. So we sit down and the guy next to Josh, big dude, and built like muscle this shit and with a very sour dispensation starts chirping Josh right away about him spreading his legs and you got to scoot over and I'm like buddy I'm as far over as I go I stand up to look at my seat and of course I'm on my left ass cheek is on my number seat six when really my butthole should be splitting the number and I try to tell the guy next to me, I'm like, could you scoot down a little bit? This guy next to my buddy, he's getting really pissed off over here. And he's like, we're already scooted down as far as we can. I mean, come on, you know. And he was claiming, look, I'm on my number. I bring a, uh, a seat cushion so that these disputes don't arise. And so I made him get up, and he looked at his number. And sure enough, his ass cheek, his left, he was half off of his number as well. So... It nearly came to blows. It was crazy how quickly it escalated. Where we are staring each other down right there. And it was ugly. It was awkward. And then Josh decided he was going to stand for the first drive of the game because either he was just pissed off or he was afraid that if he sat down, the guy sitting next to him was going to fight him. The people behind us are pissed off because he's the only one standing. Boy, it made you really question, why am I at this game here? Oh, that's right, for the camaraderie and the fun and the joy of being there. <laughs> so we left uh, We left early and actually watched the game on the NFL app for free on my phone as we drove home, for the most part, safely, of course, and listened to the great Wayne Larrabee call the game on our station. And, of course, the Packers ran the ball a lot. They got the ball in the hands of... Aaron Jones, thank God, and A.J. Dillon, I think 37 of their 64 touches or something like that were 
to those two guys, either by handoffs or passes. Got a couple of key plays as well, and before you know it, you sprinkle in one more you know, little goal line stand against Justin Fields, and it's 27-10, and the Packers' dominance over the Bears continues. So, 15 straight years of not starting 0-2 for the Packers becomes 16 straight years of not starting 0-2, and the Cal- excuse me, the uh, Patriots are the longest-running team I heard this stat, not starting 0-2 in the NFL because they have 21 years in a row now after they won at Pittsburgh. Oh, by the way, that was my lock of the week. You're welcome. I think I did pretty well. I got to see what I jot down for my you are looking lives. Ah, fudge. Uh, Mr. X will know. I think I had them. I had, uh, oh, I had the Saints. Had the Saints. That was a loser. Jameis Winston, boy, oh, boy. Let's talk about his interceptions for a second. Not good, right? Real bad. I don't know what you're going to do with Jameis. They thought that maybe new start, he won't be that way, and yet he was that way. So what are you going to do? The Cowboys beat the Bengals. The Super Bowl hangover is real. The loser of the Super Bowl ends up the following year basically in a tailspin. And the Bengals are now 0-2 as the Cowboys with Cooper Rush beat them yesterday 20-17. to Good thing the Niners did not trade Jimmy Garoppolo, huh? Trey Lance, broken ankle, out for the season. Now, there was this week leading into the game some chatter online about, hey, did you see the pictures of Trey Lance making it rain with strippers at either a party, a private party, or a strip club? I don't know where or when those photos were taken. It's both not a big deal and at the same time a terrible look and kind of a big deal all at once. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how I feel. Quarterbacks have just got to live at a higher orbit in everything they do than other players. Wideouts, running backs, other guys, fine, make it rain. But as a quarterback, it's just so bad for your image to do that. And then you just better not fuck up. You better not play poorly because people will then say, well, see, he's not studying the playbook. He's out making it rain. But Trey Lance, broken ankle, gone for the year. Good thing the Niners tried to trade Jimmy but couldn't trade Jimmy, so now they have Jimmy. Think how awkward it must be for them to be like, hey, buddy. All right, what do you say, huh? Let's go play some football, huh? You ready? Let's do this thing. <laughs> the comeback of the day in Baltimore, the Ravens blow it against the Dolphins, or better yet, Tua Tungavailoa just is ready to explode as a star. Combined, of course, with Jalen Waddle, who's blowing up, and Tyreek Hill, not too shabby either. The Dolphins are 2-0. They may have something going on right now down in South Florida. What a choke by the Ravens. By the way, all these games, I I don't know a whole lot about them because this is another price you pay when you go to a game yourself in person. And then you have to do a podcast that night. You kind of, you see some of the stuff that happens, but you don't see all the highlights. The Browns choke against the Jets and lose 31-30. And 
the headline from this game was a tailgate party that featured a mannequin on a massage table with a Deshaun Watson jersey and a fake boner under a towel and the sign that said, happy endings are not illegal. Actually, I think they are kind of illegal. It's a sex act, I believe. They're not usually prosecuted, but this is way beyond just a happy ending. Anyhow, the the Jets win, and the Browns fall to one and one, as are the Jets. The Commies were getting rolled by the Lions 22-0, but they made it interesting. And then it was back and forth, and then the Lions finally get a hold of that kneecap, chomp it off, and get the win 36 to 27, your final. The Jaguars blank the Colts 24-0. Good. I told you, you make a panic move by cutting your kicker. It's the, well, fire the black man of the NFL. Just cut the kicker. Colts are in big trouble at 0-1-1. The Jaguars win that game. The Giants get a late field goal from 56 to nip the Panthers 19-16. They are 2-0. And they are possibly atop the division, depending on what Philadelphia does on Monday night. Mention the Patriots over the Steelers. Trubisky stinks. Fans are chanting for Kenny Pickett. That's going to happen sooner rather than later. What would you expect? Do you expect Mitch Trubisky to be suddenly good? The Rams hold off the Falcons 31-27. The Niners, even with the Trey Lance injury, just destroy the Seahawks 27-7. A lot of sharps said, this line is wrong. This line is wrong. The Seahawks stink. They they got up for one game against Russell Wilson. They had two goal line fumbles by Denver. That would have made the game a whole lot different. Niners played in the monsoon. This line is wrong. And those who were on the Niners crushed it. Mentioned the Cowboys beating the Bengals. Broncos beat the Texans 16-9, but that is a cover. I had the Texans plus the 10. Thank you very much. And then the dagger comeback had to be the Cardinals stunning the Raiders 29-23 on a fumble return in overtime. What a way to lose a game. The Raiders, who I said before the year, was my overpick because they would they, they should get the over 9.5 or out to an O. And two start, and Cliff Kingsbury can breathe a little bit easier. All right, before we get to the college from the weekend, tonight, Monday night, there's two games, and they are not sequenced in a way that you can watch them both start to finish. They are sort of stacked. You've got the Titans-Bills at 7.15 p.m. in the East, and then you get the Vikings-Eagles at uh, 8.30 on ABC. So ESPN for the early, ABC for the late. As Furio likes to say, no bitch to me. You don't like it? Get more TVs. It's that simple. For the most part, elsewhere in college on Saturday, it was big boy bounce back weekend or some of the better teams narrowly avoided yet another upset. Penn State went down to Auburn and just laid the wood to the Tigers in a game that was attended by my brother-in-law, Todd, and his lovely wife, and uh, my nephew, Luke, who goes to Penn State. Uh, They have a lot of family down in Alabama and family that goes to Auburn, including 
one of their cousins who plays on the Auburn team. His name is Jake Levant. I don't know if I told you podcast listeners about young Jake Levant, but if I did, just stop me. I don't know how that's going to work, but yeah, he actually played Jake Levant one game at Yohunai Field, and he is now a scholarship player at Auburn University and getting some time playing down there. Penn State goes down to Auburn, and they lay the wood. And the thing that was notable to me about this game, and I couldn't believe the stat till I heard it a second time, they're the first Big Ten team to ever visit the Plains, as they call Auburn. Never before has a Big Ten team set foot on the hallowed turf at Jordan-Hare Stadium at Auburn. Like, that blows my mind. I know that there is this sort of cultural, uh, you go do your thing, and wow, we'll do all thing down here in the South. But there's plenty of patsies that Auburn, when they were rolling, could have scheduled to come on down from the, from the Big Ten. You would have thought a Northwestern would have rolled down at some point. You would have imagined maybe a Minnesota would have said, ah, okay, sure, we'll do a home-and-home we'll home or we'll do a one-off. Who knows? We just want to get some exposure for the program. Apparently never happened before. In that game, quarterback Sean Clifford, who has been, I want to say vilified by Penn State fans, but he has certainly not been loved, just got debacled on a hit, on a clean hit, as he was scrambling for a first down. Just one of those hits you go, oh my God, but he got up right afterwards which is the weirdness of football that sometimes plays and hits that look the worst are far from being the worst. That said, James Franklin also gets, I guess, crushed a bit for being great recruiter but not good on game days. Okay, okay. But James Franklin won nine games twice at Vandy. This is a tweet from my friend Aaron Torres, Fox Sports Radio. He does... Great job on college football and basketball. He said he's won nine games four times at Penn State, 11 games twice, and a Big Ten title. Last year, Penn State was top five before its starting quarterback got hurt. Now Penn State is running an SEC team out of its own stadium. Never understood why the guy gets so much hate. I think there's a cockiness element to it, and I think it's just fashionable to harp on that. You look at the coaches that were supposed to be saviors for programs that schools have had to go, okay, he's not the guy, let's throw him away. Scott Frost is obviously one of those guys, and I happen to be watching Fox Sports Big Noon Saturday. And I will say, out of the gate, it's, yes, of course, it's a college game day knockoff, right? And they don't have the best games, and they don't have the tradition or the years behind it. But they do a pretty good job. I'd say that the production value of Fox Sports Big Noon Saturday is every bit on par with ESPN's. Now, I sensed, because they were at Nebraska of all places. Now, did they choose Nebraska after they fired Scott Frost to go, you know what, let's go fly right into the eye of the hurricane here and see what the vibe is in Lincoln? Or was this already pre-planned? I mean, it was Nebraska-Oklahoma. My guess is it was pre-planned because that's a big game. Oklahoma rolled them. But that said, they go in there and the crowd is very loud. The crowd that was there for Big Noon kickoff. You know, we're driven by the search for better. 
When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And it was a small crowd for their little set area. It was kind of enclosed by some of their trailers, presented by Wendy's. But I swear they were pumping up the volume. I swear they were piping in perhaps some extra noise in there. But anyway, and of course, they have just the most handsome of fellas across the board uh, in, in every shape and variety. Brady Quinn, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinert, and the Dog ex-coach himself, Urban Meyer, who they were chanting at one point. The kids were, we want Urban. I mean, like, why not? So as I'm watching, I'm thinking, all right, are they going to tell me why Scott Frost, who is this huge hire, the prodigal son comes home, did great down in Florida, and I always mix this up, at South Florida, or was it Central? Ah. Either way, he comes home. He's supposed to turn the program around, return it to glory under the Tom Osborne years, and he turned out to be a dud, a total dud. So Bruce Feldman, who does a great job on reporting on college football, said it was because he would just interject himself, Scott Frost, in key moments in games to go, ah, you know what? No, never mind. Let's do this. And he would basically override his coordinators, his other coaches, and that's probably why they lost so many one-score games. I think nine in a row, a FBS record. They said they also relied on the advice of a couple of friends in town on you should do this, don't do that, hire this guy, don't hire that guy, and that's ultimately what did Scott Frost in. But good production. I could have sworn they have the crowd noise pumped in. And Urban Meyer is so utterly sleazy. Oh, by the way, they have reported that Nebraska has reached out, indeed, to Urban Meyer just to see if he'd be interested. Meanwhile, there's some horrific empty stands around college football on Saturday. One place was Carolina, South Carolina, uh, williams Bryce Stadium, of course, in fairness, the photo I'm looking at was at the very end of the game when it was 45 nothing Georgia at one point. So you can only expect the students to stay for so long when Georgia is handing it to you in a Chinese takeout box, as I like to say. I've been to Williams-Brice Stadium. I texted my good friend Chuck Morrison, Charlotte, North Carolina, when I first went to Charlotte back in 1997. 
He was one of the first guys that I hooked up with and met. He had listened to me on the radio on WFNZ, and he was in like sports marketing for NASCAR and had some other connections to whatnot. Went to South Carolina, and he's like, Zabe, Zabe, we got to get you down there to williams Bryce Stadium. You, you got to experience it, man. It's amazing. 2001 Space Odyssey coming out, man. It's amazing. I'm like, all right, let's go. So as part of our tailgate tour that we do with the station down there, we had a big RV that was skinned with our station colors, and we'd drive that thing down there. Um, we went to their, uh, went to the game. I think we went to a game in 97. It's a night game. And one Champ Bailey was playing for Georgia. This was a Georgia-South Carolina game. Champ Bailey, I think it was his last year there. He played both ways. Wide receiver and corner, and he was a stud. And of course, Georgia that night also took it to South Carolina. And afterwards, my boy Chuck said, that's right, we're, we're, we're basketball school now. <laughs> like, no, you're not. You're trying as hard as you can in football. South Carolina, and that's the thing, you know, Georgia is so good. They are so amazingly loaded with talent that they lost all that talent to the NFL this year, and yet they still come back and have so much talent. They just overwhelmed and outclassed South Carolina in every way. Just demolished them. And I, as I'm watching the game, I'm thinking, man, South Carolina, they're in the SEC too. They have that SEC letterhead. They have a rich recruiting area that they too can draw from. They do have some past history of being pretty good in college football. They're trying. They are trying. They are spending money. They feel like with Shane Beamer, they got a young guy with a pedigree who can turn them around, and they got destroyed. At UCLA, once a proud football sort of power, maybe I'm exaggerating that, there's a photo of the student section, which is... Wow. I mean, it is a friends and family only crowd. Now, granted, they were playing South Alabama, and it's probably still hot as balls there in L.A., but man, it, it, there's a crisis at UCLA football when it comes to attending games. Notre Dame escaped uh, their game against Cal. Cal had a Hail Mary down seven that rattled around and was in one of their kids' arms when it fell to the ground. Got to feel bad for that guy. But the little snippet that came out of the game was quarterback Drew Pine for Notre Dame was on the phone upstairs to quarterback coach or O coordinator Tommy Reese. And Tommy Reese was screaming at the kid. And so they would cut to, you know, uh, Drew Pine on the sideline. He's got this sort of sad face like, I'm getting yelled at right now. My wife is yelling at me right now. And they would cut up to the booth and... Tommy Reese was screaming, angrily screaming. Now, I'm not saying we got to treat these kids like special, precious little flowers. But that said, when you are coaching, I would imagine it's not good to involve the kind of raw emotion of anger. You should never be angry at one of your players for fucking up. I mean, maybe you are. It's inevitable it happens, right? It was just a bad look is all it is because he was screaming at him and the kid looked forlorn like, fuck, sorry, I'm I'm trying. 
I suppose if it's something egregious in football where you cost your team really, really badly by committing a terrible personal foul well after the whistle that you know you should not have done, then it's okay to scream at a kid like that. But it was just a bad look there. Then there's BYU. They went on the road to Oregon and got rolled. 41-20, to 20, your final score. BYU had been ranked 12th in the country. But notable from that game was a viral video of a small number of fans. Fuck the Mormons! Fuck the Mormons! Yeah, even worse, even worse than fuck BYU, fuck the Mormons. Caught on video. To Oregon's credit, they have apologized for the despicable chance directed at BYU fans and their religion during Saturday's game at Autzen Stadium. But will this incident get half the play that the racial hoax got for the volleyball player who claimed that she was being called the N-word repeatedly during a match at BYU. Actually, scratch that. Will he get one-tenth of the attention, the heat, the steam, the outrage, the condemnation from ESPN and other outlets? The answer is, of course, it will not. Now, I laid off of the BYU volleyball story last week, or might have been two weeks ago now, just because. Those things, you know, nobody, they're never fun to talk about, but sometimes you have to. And I also wanted to see just how it would finally settle out and shake out. Because, you know, the, the, the girl claimed it happened. Her parents backed him up. Duke seemed to be standing by their side of the story. And I said, okay, well, maybe a piece of video will shake free. And it'll show, yeah, actually somebody did say that. Maybe she wasn't heckled repeatedly with the N-word, but there was one N-bomb that was hurled and, oh, Here's the video. Well, the video never came. It turns out that it was truly and totally a complete hoax and hustle. And it was despicable. And after it was readily apparent, after BYU did a full investigation, after BYU even tried to pin it on some poor kid with a developmental disability, like, ah, it was him. We've banned him from the games. They came out and said, look, we did our own investigation. We, we have no proof this happened. None. We have no evidence it happened, so I don't know what you want us to do. At that point, Duke should have, if they wanted to do the right thing, but of course they didn't, and nobody ever admits, yeah, you know what, that's wrong. They simply doubled down on it by saying, you know, we stand behind our player and we stand behind blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, all the usual left-wing media shills fell in line like Jay Billis. What a tool this guy is. He tweeted, I stand by and I stand for uh, the name of the gal who made the accusations. And I'm not going to repeat her name here because I'm not, nobody needs to try to, you know, make this inflamed any further. I stand by and I stand up for. Okay, Jay. You would think Duke of all schools would be very sensitive to false racial accusations, given what happened in the horrific Duke lacrosse case. You would think they would be sensitive to it. You would think they would say, hey, listen, uh, you know, I'm sorry we're going to have to sort of reprimand one of our own, but we can't be having this. Racial hoaxes hurt those who are genuinely um, subject of racism and racial taunts. You can't just go making this shit up. 
for my money, the Mormons are fine people. I've known a few over the years. At times, you can say, well, they're, they're a little bit of odd ducks, but aren't we all odd ducks? Hey, did you say ducks? Oregon, your winner yesterday at home against BYU. A couple of other non-football, maybe non-sports-related things sprinkled in here. Have you seen how long people have been waiting in line to go pay respects to the queen? 12, 14, 18, 24 hours in line. Now look, if this is what makes you feel good, if you feel like it's the right thing to do, and I don't even know if you get to see her lying in the casket, can you? How close can you get to the queen mum? Can you see her lying there in an embalmed state? Or is it just going up in front of the casket? I don't know. But here's my question. What possesses people to do something like that? It is a colossal waste of time, not to mention an endurance test that makes my knees buckle thinking about it. What possesses, why do people do it? The essential why, know your why. Obviously, they want to feel like they're part of something bigger or that they uh, adhere to norms and traditions that help ground society in a day and age in which more and more things are turning nutso by the second. But what if you could not talk about seeing the queen mom lying in state? What if you, you, you spent 24 hours waiting in line and then you couldn't tweet about it. You couldn't tell somebody. You couldn't post an Instagram tribute to the queen. I, by the way, I assume you cannot take a selfie anywhere near the queen mom after you get up there after 24 hours. But imagine you couldn't tell it to anybody. You couldn't talk about it with your friends. It becomes a bragging rights thing, I would think. But Jesus, what a waste of time. especially to go pay respect to an an honorary, I was going to say honorific, an honorary pseudo-elected leader. Not even elected, obviously. It's the queen. It's a weird thing. I know the British, a huge segment of the British population absolutely adores the royals, believes in keeping that alive, even though it doesn't have much of a functioning use in how their country is run. But man, it's just weird. Just weird that people wait in line that long, and yet when their real government enacts some really dumbass bullshit law or overreacts to COVID like 98% of the world did, people just shrug and they go, okay. Can we get some of that energy of standing in line for 24 hours to say goodbye to Queen Elizabeth redirected towards keeping the real government in check when they do dumb shit? Just asking. Panic at the Disco postpones two events, Chicago and Milwaukee, due to COVID. All they said was, due to COVID at this time, it is impossible for us to play these shows. We apologize to our fans. Please stay tuned as we will try to announce makeup dates for the shows later on. We are going on three years soon of this. And it's still happening. Forever pandemic, some people said a couple months into this. You watch. This will be a forever pandemic. And I'm like, yeah, I know what you're saying. But no, at some point, people will move on. 
Apparently, the answer is nah. Did you know that the U.S. is one of just, I think, 13% of the world that has a vaccine entry requirement still for foreign nationals? It's absurd. An update on Friday said travel restrictions on unvaccinated foreign nationals has now shrunk. Iran, Brazil, Brunei, and believe it or not, New Zealand, the goat of COVID crazy countries, have all dropped their restrictions on unvaccinated foreign nationals entering the country. Oh, and Indonesia did as well. Some of the notables still closed. China, of course. The Netherlands, North Korea, Canada, and the U.S. It's almost like some people want to keep this going at all costs. There's a Van Earl Wright update. Mentioned his name with Jay last week. People said they found him on LinkedIn, and he is a caddy at Pebble Beach, a looper, a pro jock, which would be an easy thing to kind of scoff at and look down at and go, uh, you're doing great, bud. But honestly, he's probably making pretty good money, keeping in shape, getting some sun, and perhaps living the Zen life. I don't know. There are times, even though I really haven't caddied for anybody and walking is not exactly my favorite activity right now, I've thought if I didn't have any other financial obligations, didn't have to support a family and everything else, could I live the caddy life? Just be like, man, just got a couple of loops today and that's it, and I'm going to go hang out and watch the sunset. I doubt it, but good for Van Earl Wright that he is caddying at Pebble Beach. Finally, there's this. What is with this story of leg extensions that people are getting surgically done in Vegas? GQ has a story that reads almost like one of the great SI hoaxes of all time, The Legend of Sid Finch which turned out to be an April Fool's joke. This reads like an April Fool's joke. High-income, high-tech workers who are too short are going out to Vegas for surgeries where they literally have both of their femurs snapped by a chisel-like instrument and then augmented with a titanium rod that will add up to three inches in height when the surgery heals. Some sort of magnet remote controlled or remote controlled magnet moves the rod one millimeter every day for 90 days so the bone continues to heal itself into a longer bone. Ugh. And apparently uh, you can do it for 70, anywhere from 70 to $150,000. And I think it takes uh, close to about a year for the healing. I think you can be back on your feet in maybe three months or something like that. But uh, holy shit. Hey, look, if you're a loser with no game and you're a nerd, but you got money, forget about the hype. Focus on the money. There's plenty of hot women 
who will be just fine with the money. That is a wrap for today. We got it done by hook or by crook. Thank you so much for listening and downloading. Hope you had a great NFL Week 2 Sunday. I enjoyed mine at Lambeau Field. Bears and Packers. More to come this week as we pick through the wreckage of Week 2 here on the Zabecast all week long. We got Charge coming up uh, on Wednesday. There'll be a Tuesday into Wednesday. We'll have uh, Jayco. We'll have all the usual stuff. So buckle up for a good week as I'm here in the good land uh, for the Packers and their season opener. Thanks for listening. Have a great Monday, and we will see you next time.